speak more things I can All can be seated, really, really. So, thank you very much. But you can be seated. Thank you. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good, good. I'm so excited because I invited a friend I met two days ago to church, and he walked in today. So, I'm glad to have you here, Dan. Did I remember right? And I'm horrible with names, and I remembered his name. I am doing so good today. My voice is having major problems, um, so you have to bear with me. I have my water up here, but I'm so glad to see all of you this morning, and um, I know it's kind of dreary out, but for me, I love dreary, rainy days. I'm, I know I'm not probably the most popular opinion, but I love them, and I boycotted all hot days from this day on. I wore my winter tights. I wore my winter shirt. I've got it all going, so... No more hot weather for me, Sister Wanda. I'm sorry. I just do not like it. <laughs> but before we get started today, um, I wanted to play a little video. I, Sister Sheila's so awesome. I tell you, she is the Jill of all trades. But I sent this to her and asked her if she could get it to play. And hopefully you all be able to understand it. Here we go. I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church. And I would walk in and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know. If you, to... you want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. Right? Then they explained to me, right, your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't, not, I didn't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what to, what to pray about. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good. and She must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. She was like, dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. <laughs> Lord, you said, but seek, S is in search, E is in everywhere, E is in excellent, K is in kingdom. <laughs> you are the Alpha Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. Now, it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to just, but I'm not going to let her out pray me. So I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord. You are good. You are good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just got to obey my thirst, Lord, you know, because choosy moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, because... No, as the, rec as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I could fly, amen. All right, I hope you all could understand most of that. It was pretty funny to me. Um, but we don't really need to hear it again, though. So, um, But we've heard so many things talked about on prayer, even in the last few months we've we've heard prayer taught on and um 
but this is funny, but yet it kind of makes me relate really good. Let me just say, if I'm standing up here, and I'm just going to say if Sister Laura's standing up here, and we both be asked to pray, and I want her to do it. <laughs> because I stumble over my words, and I've always said I love to hear Sister Laura pray. There's several people that I put in that category that I love to just listen to them pray because I feel like they've like, I don't know, it just seems like they've mastered the art of praying. But you know what? Sister Laura's prayers, as beautiful as they are and as fluid and they just flow, my mumble jumbled messy words are just as beautiful to God. And I am here today just to kind of talk about prayer in a way that hopefully we can break it down and realize that without prayer, nothing else is going to be okay. And that's why the enemy, I think, he messes with our minds, makes us feel like we can't pray good. Um, I'm going to be honest. I have tried to pray out loud for people and really sincerely pray. And when I fumble over my words, it like completely like I, I get a little bit wrecked over it. And um, I'm pretty sure the persons I'm praying with feel kind of the same way. Because how can you not hear when somebody messes up their words, Sister Emily? I've done it. I think I even prayed for you one time and my words got messed up and then it was over. Um, but my mother-in-law used to say, because I'd say, Carol, I love to hear so-and-so pray. And, and I just really want that prayer life. You know, your kids grow up, you hear kids grow up and say, oh, I heard my mama praying and, and, and whatnot. And I just always said, I want to be that mom. You know, I want to be the mom that my kids w woke up in the middle of the wee hours of the night and hear their mama just travailing. I'm not trying to make too much light of this. I pray. And there have been situations that have put me to my knees where I'm like, okay, God, I've got to, we've got to talk here. But I'm talking about a consistent prayer life is attainable to every single one of us. And the reason the enemy tries so hard to make us feel like we really can't pray is because he knows that is our direct line to God Almighty. And if we ever could learn, I know Sister McMillan taught on prayer, if we could ever learn that we have that tool, how mighty and how great our lives would be. Um, prayer has just always been like one of those things that I, like I said, I hear other people do it and I'm like, they're just talking to God just like I, and I'm a talker. I mean, my new friend Dan knows. I mean, I literally met him when I was buying pumpkins and it's just amazing um, he's got a daughter named Shay, so hello. Um, but I'm a talker, and I can fl I can just talk your ear off. But there's been times I kneel down to pray, and I'm like, what do I say? Well, I hope that today we can talk about some things. I went on a, a mission trip to South Africa several years ago, and um, we were in this church. In South Africa, when they have church, um, standing room only, and I will say this, little plug about you know, the third world countries, how they are with church compared to us. Um, there were people that paid everything they had to take a cab from one place to another, sometimes two-hour drives that would take every bit of their money to do it. But we're in this big church. I mean, it's big, and it's standing room only, and I'm there with several other people on this youth on mission trip, and I'm just standing there minding my own business. They open up with service, and this man leading the service who I'd never seen before in my life, he said, it's so good to have everyone here. And he said, and before we start, I'm going to ask this dear sister to pray for us. And I'm like, 
He's looking at me. I had to pray for the whole place in South Africa. And let me tell you, I was so intimidated. It was hard for me to do that. And um, I've always battled intimidation, Brother Donnie. It's terrible. And, but way back then was even worse than now. And I, I'm, I don't even know what I said. I'm sure that it was not, I don't even know. We got on the bus, and of course, everybody's making fun. Ooh, preacher, Shay, you know, like trying to make a joke about it. And I'm just mortified. I don't even know what happened the rest of the service. I'm just standing there thinking, what did I just do? What did I say? What did I say? But prayer is the key. It's our communication with God. And in any relationship, let's break it down, whether you are married, your friendship, your job, if there is not good communication, it is not good. How do you get to know somebody? You talk to them. I know I have acquaintances, but I don't know them because we don't really talk. So I've got this awesome book. I'm going to do a plug. He has no idea that I would do this. Um, Brother Ken Gurley, and I told the ladies about it, but it's called The Book on Prayer. And I highly recommend, if you have time and would make time to read any book, this book is an incredible book. So I'm getting a lot of my stuff directly out of Brother Gurley's book on prayer. And um, I hope that this blesses you all the way that it has blessed me. Um, I remember 20 years ago when we walked into this church, I can still see where they were. Lulabel, you were one of them. Sister Magruder, Sister Holligan, I'm trying to remember who all. You all were up on this front pew, knelt down, praying as people were coming in for Sunday school. Now, anything I say today, please do not take it as, I'm, I'm definitely not trying to sound negative. Um, because I'm, I'm pointing at me. I'm talking to me today. Life has gotten so chaotic. Life has gotten so busy. And I'm afraid we've lost the most important thing. I, I, I know there's people that come in here and pray, and it's beautiful. And I'm not, I'm, you see me running around. And so I'm pointing right here. In the last, I don't know how long, I can tell you, you haven't walked in and seen me up here. So I'm stepping on my own toes today. I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm, I'm talking to me. So you can just sit in and listen to this, okay? Amen? All right. What has happened to us? I think the main thing that's happened to all of us is a four-letter word called life. Everything is go, 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 go. My 70-plus-year-old mom, my dad, they both have said the same thing. I'm busier now than I ever was when I had all my kids at home and I was working a full-time job. How is it? How is it that somebody that's in their 70s, they don't work, can look at me and say I'm busier now than I've ever been? Because busyness has become part of our everyday life. We sense increasing chaos around the corner. Mayhem creeps like a toxic fog over the hearts of men. Anxiety has come and just will not leave. Can I get an amen? Anxiety, and I'm going to do my best not to glorify the devil today. I told my kids the other day because we've had a lot of stuff going on. 
and the enemy has pulled out all stops. He seems to want to do that when you're kind of down, you know, kick them when they're down. And But I told my girls the other day, I'd already kind of fed into, like, the enemy's blah, 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 blah. And then something clicked in me. I'm not giving him another inch of credit today. God is in this story. About that time, Sister Miss, Missy sent me that song. When I was really struggling with some things going on and not understanding, God is in the story. And Sister Holligan said it a couple weeks ago, he doesn't do anything that's not good, even though it doesn't feel that way. So I'm not going to give the devil credit today, at least I'm going to try not to. But anxiety from kids on up is so prevalent amongst us. And I tell people, I, I believe it's because the enemy knows he's not going to get me to walk out of this church and just walk away from God. So what else is he going to do to tear me down, to weigh me down, to, to do something to me? He's going to start making me feel anxious about things. Worry. We're all human. We all do it. But anxiety just seems to be here and it will not leave. Other uninvited guests with names like violence, hatred, prejudice, and strife have seized our national attention and collective angst. Believers struggle to come to grips with these seemingly rapid changes. Churches struggle to survive in a culture gone haywire. Marriages and families are on the brink. Frequent sightings of the nest monsters. Hopelessness, worldliness, and selfishness. Those seem to be the three monsters that rear their ugly head continually. Today, believers have divorced from timeless and holy habits, and we are, we are facing evil head on. In one generation, we have seen the most significant moral collapse witnessed in the country's history. The loosening of sexual morals in the 60s was profound, but today has that way beat. You would be excused to think churches are doing better than the nation as a whole. If they are, it's not across the board and probably not as much as you feel. Morality or the lack thereof amongst the majority of churchgoers largely mirrors society as a whole and churchgoing plummets. Now, pastor's not here to do it, so I guess it's my job. Just for a moment, look around. At one time, these benches were so full. I read a thing somebody was putting on Facebook. Um, I hope I can remember how they said it, but the gist of it is they were comparing the church and Jesus and how they both did something the same, but Jesus did this, so who got it wrong? And at first I'm like sitting there thinking, yeah, but something came over me. I'm here to tell you that churches are doing, I know a lot of churches, are doing everything they can to help people. They're doing everything they can to bring people to the house of God. They're witnessing. They're doing outreach. They're calling. They're texting. They're trying new programs. They're trying everything. And I, something came up in me when I read that, because at first I was like, yeah, what are we doing wrong? Then you know what happened? I think we're doing so much right. People have become lovers of themselves and things of this world over the things of God. So I'm here to say, I think we're trying here. We're trying really hard. We've made a lot of changes. We're, we're getting advertisement out there. I feel like we're trying really hard. People's hearts have grown cold. So what do we got to do about that? What's the one thing we all can do sitting here? 
we have to pray. So, the United States follows the path of Europe. Only 20, when I read this, I cried. Only 20% of American adults regularly attend church. That is such a low percentage of people that go to church. Some 94% of churches are either plateaued or declining. Only 6% of churches are growing. Fewer still are growing when you factor in the community's population growth. Thousands of churches are up for sale at any given moment in the United States. That grieves me. You know why it grieves me? Because I know at eight years old what a church meant to me. To my little broken world. I needed a church. I needed a church family. And how much more should it grieve us today that we have people that are not here? We may give some degree of comfort that this could be different in the realm of spirit-filled, truth-loving churches. Yet before we get too complacent, we need to take a long look at ourselves. Are we reaching, teaching, and discipling the lost? Are we having parking, seating, and space problems? Or has it been a long time since we've seen the church consistently filled with the hungry, thirsty souls? And then now we break it down to what about our own lives? Are we more satisfied with our walk with God today than we were yesterday? Or have we grown discouraged and set aside our diligent and discipline in pursuing his face? Is it bleak right now? It is. Is it hopeless? No. We have to realize how dark it is before we can... If you go to a doctor... How can I say this? If I've had an earache for so long and I go to the doctor, but for whatever reason, I don't really want to tell him my ears hurt and I start saying everything else, that doctor's not going to know how to help me because I'm not ready to face and tell him, hey, my ear's hurting. That's silly because who would go to a doctor and do that? But yet sometimes we turn our head and say it's not as bad as it is in our own lives. So, we have to be real with God. I have to be real real with God, Lorenzo. I have to say, God, I'm busy, and I'm doing all this for you. Hey, we got this hillbilly talent show coming up. I've got to do this. We've had this. We got to get this going. We got to do that. But we have to be honest with ourselves. Busyness, even for him, cannot replace the altar and prayer time. It will not work. I used to tell Sister Magruder all the time, you know, in the season of life when I had my kids, you know, Tess was five, Emma was three, no, Tess was five, Emma was two, and I had a newborn, and I would say I'd walk in here, and I'd, she'd be down here warring and pounding the pew, and I'd be like dragging the kids in and feeling like scattered and She'd always say, you're in, you're in that season, you know. But I would tease her. I said, I guess I'm Martha and you're Mary. You know, we'd laugh it off. We need both. We need Martha's. We need Mary's. But if I have to choose one, I've got to become a Mary and pick him and my relationship with him over any work that I do. So the diagnosis. It's difficult and painful to admit we're really not praying like we should. If we can be vulnerable and transparent, we can admit something is wrong. We suffer from a pervasive sickness that pierces 
beneath the fifth rib and plunges straight to the human heart. The diagnosis is we suffer from acute prayerlessness. We can talk about prayer, but we don't pray. We can read about prayer, but we don't pray. We can hear about prayer and even preach about prayer, but we don't pray. We are sick and we need help. And like I said, please know from my heart that I'm really talking to me today. So I'm sorry if my transparency makes you look at me like a less person. I remember when I was a teenager, and sometimes I I look and I think, God, I mean, it was nothing for me. I had to kneel down every night. I couldn't even just lay there and pray. Something in me, I wanted to kneel down and, and pray. Now, 53 years old and most of the time, I'm not going to bed till 2 or 3 in the morning. I don't sleep a lot. I never have. But there hasn't been much kneeling. Yet I have backslidden family members that need me to pray. And I know I started off with a funny video. And I literally was not expecting this from me today. Prayerless people contract this disease through the twin viruses of doubt and apathy. People with no or little faith do not pray. They are practical atheists. In their hearts and hearts, they do not really believe God is and that God is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Now, let me stop right here. Sometimes we have to go to the doctor because of an injury. So let me, how can I put this into what I feel like God gave me? Sometimes you have to go to the doctor because, you know, I was riding a bike and cut my arm open and I needed, I needed stitches. Um, it was an accident, but it happened and I had to go. Sometimes our prayer life is attacked. It's been injured because of disappointment, feeling like our prayers are not being heard. We've all been there. Can somebody raise their hand with me and say we've been there when we feel like we have prayed and we have prayed and we're just not getting an answer? So when that happens, sometimes our faith becomes a little bit weaker and weaker and weaker. And the devil makes us doubt who we are actually communicating with. So we always talk to the ones we love. True? This has been... She probably won't listen to this, so I'm going to just say it. Emma. Emma started college this year. She's my middle girl. And for the first time in my whole life, there's been days I haven't heard or talked to Emma. Because Emma's not a phone person. She doesn't like to text. She's not really, doesn't like to talk on the phone. Um, It's been a challenge because I was used to Emma being at home every single night. I got to see Emma, you know. But she just is not a phone person. But yet, we still talk. I mean, I'm like, hey, Emma, it's mom. Remember me? <laughs> you know? Then we got Tess that I talk to sometimes two times a day, three times a day. And then I got my sweet Abby at home that she stuck with me for a whole year without her sisters. Pray for her. <laughs> But we do talk to the ones we love, right? Because if we don't, we're going to grow apart. Um, I can't imagine. I was going to do this little illustration so I gotta, I gotta quit my crying for a minute. But I was gonna do this little illustration. 
and I was just going to sit down. I was just going to sit down. What What would you normally do if I came and did this? You would what? Yeah, and so what if you did that? Do that to me. That's silly. I was going to do it. I was going to go through different people and them not even know what I was doing. You know, if I sat here by Brother Donnie, he's definitely going to say, what are you doing? (laughs) But I was going to do that, go throughout, and people talk to me and me not say a word. That's kind of weird. I did go visit somebody sometime, and they, they, (laughs) this is kind of funny. They let me in their front door, you know, I was going to visit them, and then they went to another room and shut the door. It was very awkward, um, but I was feeling like, okay, they're not really wanting to talk right now. But who does that? Who would sit down? I mean, I wouldn't come here and just stand by you and Jerry, and you guys start talking to me, and me just. But we do that to God all the time. He's with us all the time. Oh, I'm getting Sister Wanda to the altar. Look. Sister Wanda's going to the altar. (laughs) Um, We do that to God all the time. Me. He's with me all the time. And there's days sometimes that I've barely given him five minutes. I used to say the Bible teaches us to tithe our, our first fruits, 10%. How is it that we can't give him 10% of our week, our day? It's hard. The devil... I'm not going to say it. Okay, so we have some formulas. For those of you who like formulas, I do not. Um, Much faith plus much love equals much prayer. Little faith plus little love equals little prayer. No faith plus no love equals no prayer. Yes, it's as simple as two plus two equals four. People who believe will also pray. People who love God want to talk with him If we aren't believing, if we aren't talking, then we aren't praying. Every failure, shortcoming, temper tantrum, and fall to temptation force us to face the uncomfortable truth. In essence, we don't pray as we should. To be blunt, outside of formulatic prayers at meals and bedtime, few hardly pray at all. Years ago, someone that I loved and looked up to so greatly, he was an, a, an instructor at Bible college to me, fell into a horrible, horrible sin. And I will never forget my pastor's wife because he was a songwriter. Has, we still sing his songs, incredible songwriter. Um, but I remember her saying, and it was so simple, it doesn't matter who you are, how great you are, or how small you feel you are, if you do not stay on your knees, you will fall. It's simple. It is a very simple concept. So, what has happened to us? Altars in need of repair dot the landscape, like toy blocks strewn across and abandoned by a temperamental child. Like a once proud building crumbled by a wrecking ball, our altars have become a place where we feel like every service we're waiting for the sinner to come down or the new person so we can pray with them and be so excited that we have a visitor at church that's needing God and feeling their need for God. 
But what happened to the days I remember? I remember being 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and sometimes I might be writing notes at 8, 9, 10. But when that altar call came, guess what? We all went. We all knelt. We all prayed. What has happened to those times when we're up here singing? I don't want it to be a concert. Sometimes it feels like a concert, Brother Littles. We're up here at altar call and got the praise team, and we're singing so pretty. They're, they do so good. And we have our faithful youth. I wish our youth were down here to hear me brag on them. They are not shy from the altar. They go to the altar. But what about the rest of us who stand here? Because we've got it all together. We don't need to go to the altar. That's just for people who have really messed up this week. If I go to the altar, they're going to think I really messed up, Sister Emily. They're going to think I've done something really wrong, If I, especially if I come down here and tears are coming. Oh, my. What do they do this week? What's going on? Something's going on with them. But that's not what it was like when I was 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. The altar was such a safe place. Such a place when I was young that if I felt like I needed just a little closeness, the altars where I would kneel and I would do this multiple times. God, if you love me still, because I doubted his love a lot. How many has ever done that? I doubted his love a lot. And I think it's because my home life growing up was pretty pretty raunchy and had a lot of stuff. I mean, I won't get into that. But I had that. I needed that father to come to me and I would come to the altar and I'd cry and I'm like, if you still love me, Lord, just let Brother Lucas come lay his hand on me. And I don't know if it's just my imagination, but every time my pastor would come and lay, maybe he thought, oh, here's Shay again. She needs me to, <laughs> to pray with her. I don't know. But to me, the altar was such a beautiful place. I don't want to get away from the altar. Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back for his bride. If you're getting married to somebody, you're going to know him. Or I hope you do. But if he doesn't know me, no matter how many years I've been going to church, no matter how many years I've been playing the piano and singing, no matter how many years I've been bringing my kids so they know we are faithful to the house of God, no matter how many years I orchestrate a hillbilly talent show or a dinner or, or this or that, if he doesn't know me, I won't be his bride. I know this is heavy. I wasn't supposed to teach today. But I feel an unction of the Holy Ghost that we have to return to prayer. We have to return to these altars. Our lives depend on it. We can say other people's lives depend on it. But this is one of those things when I'm bringing the oxygen mask down, saying my life depends on this. I have to pray. I want to pray. I want to know you, God. I want to be like you. And how can I be like you if I don't know you? The practice and knowledge of prayer slip through our grasp as those elusive skills of yesteryear. Those once necessary skills have been negated mainly through just life and what we've learned to do. 
There was a song back in the 80s, I believe, called We Need to Get Back to the Basics of Life. We need to get back to the basics, and prayer is the starting key. So as this man made the thing funny, where do we begin? How do we pray? There's no wrong way to pray. It's not too late to develop a prayer life. God wants that from us. And I'm only a few pages in, and it's 1046, and I promise you I will pick up where I left off. When I was little, this song would play in church, and um, I loved it. And it still ministers to me. Sometimes when I'm home by myself, I'll just play it on the piano. But it says, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my father's throne it makes all my wants and wishes known in seasons of distress and fear my soul has often found relief and bids me at my father's throne make all my wants and wishes known and i know i got a lot of the words right but the sweet hour prayer well i can't pray an hour Start. Start with five minutes. He's longing to hear from you. I don't know what to say. There's sometimes I kneel down and I say, God, I don't even know what to say right now. Please see my heart. Start somewhere. I know some of these older saints that have been praying and can pray for so long didn't start out an hour a day. Just start somewhere. And I want to encourage you to pray. Your kids do need to hear you pray. Your grandkids need to hear you pray. Your spouse needs to hear you pray. But Jesus wants you to talk to him every single day. Say a day goes by and you fail to really pray, get up and try again. You won't be sorry. God bless you all. Thank you, Sister Shea. What a